glad that you are with us today at Southside Baptist Church. Thank you for coming. And uh, I know this is a busy, busy time of year. There are lots of things that many of us have going on. Uh, it's season for graduations, um, marriages, a lot of weddings take place in, in May and June. So you may find yourself going through old pictures and videotapes. Uh, this is the time of year to do that kind of thing. And uh, we recently uh, went back and found some old VH, VSH tapes. You remember those? They're like this, this big, you know. And they uh, you had a big old camcorder that you carried on your shoulder and you stuck the tapes in and you recorded everything around baseball games and all that. Well, we at the Weber family have several of those uh, in our garage, in our laundry room. And, and I realized that with the heat, you know, they're starting to get warped. And if we want to keep those things, we, we better convert them over to something digital uh, that will preserve. So I carried a bunch of them down to a store and had them converted over. Uh, and as I was looking at these videos of our kids, of course the kids were laughing at the way their mother and I were dressed, but we were fascinated really with these images of the kids. You know when you have a child, the child's going to grow. I mean, you just know that. It's natural. If it doesn't happen, you don't expect. But, uh, but what you don't realize, it's kind of the frog in the kettle uh, that when, you, when you're with that kid every day, you don't necessarily recognize the growth that's taking place. Uh, but there is some, there's a biological force that we know our kids are going to grow. They're going to develop. There's going to be stages of life where they learn to talk and they learn to walk and they begin to eat on their own and on all the things and they go off to school. And so they're growing and they're developing and, and you watch that process happen and you're almost unaware of it. But if something interrupts the process, you quickly become aware that something's wrong and then you go to a doctor and you try to figure it out. Well, I, as I was thinking about this, I, I realized, you know, our spiritual formation, uh, formation is very much the same. There's a process involved with our spiritual development that begins uh, not just at our birth, but when we come to recognize and acknowledge who God is and God begins to do a transformative work inside of us, that, that we should be progressing towards uh, maturity in Christ. And I, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had some sort of device that we could take a video of our spiritual progress? And what would it look like to go back and look at a videotape of our spiritual development 10 years ago, 20 years ago? And, and for some, maybe that's a little disconcerting. You think, I'm not sure I'd want to see that video not because you've grown since then, but because maybe you'd be concerned that you haven't grown since then. That something might be wrong in the spiritual formation and development. We began a series last week on the Holy Spirit. And the series is only three weeks long. And there's no way we can discuss a topic this big in, in simply three weeks. But I began to think about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. Just as if there's a biological force that's that's propelling us on to grow, that we can't see or we can't touch. There is a force at work inside of us in our spiritual formation as well as we consider the role of the Holy Spirit in our world, in our church, and in our lives. Now last week when we started, we just simply asked the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And we said some very basic concepts, but critical, critically important. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not just the added member or the forgotten member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God indwelling the lives of believers, empowering, working in and through us. And next week I want to talk about why all this matters. But this week I want us to consider what it is that the Holy Spirit does. 
in creation and in our church and in our lives. And again, very big topic, and there's no way we can cover all the Scripture in one morning. But if you're one of those folks who think the more Scripture references there are in a sermon, the better the sermon is, then you're going to love today's message. So you're going to have to listen fast, and on the back of your bulletin, we've got a diagram that may help you if you want to take notes or fill in the diagram. Uh, This is a diagram that was originally developed by Robertson McQuilkin uh, in his workbook, Life in the Spirit, which I would highly recommend. But we're going to use this diagram to help us understand this conversation and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Now last week, when we were talking about who the Holy Spirit is, we looked at the passage of Scripture in Genesis that said the Holy Spirit was present with God in the beginning. We find him named in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And the Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep. Now the real word, the Hebrew word for that, is brooding. Doesn't that sound good? The Holy Spirit's brooding over the surface of the deep. It's the same word that's used for a hen as she broods over her eggs. Now it gives you this image that the Spirit of God was Hovering over creation as life was beginning to burst forth, protecting, nurturing, guiding the whole process. But the Holy Spirit was there. The first activity of the Spirit is the activity of creating. Creating. And, the, and God wasn't just involved in the creation uh, as he spoke, but through the power of his Spirit and in the creation of humanity. Listen to what Job said in chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now this is an interesting play on words in Hebrew, because the word for spirit and the word for breath are the same. And so you think, well, which was it? Was it the breath of God that made humanity, or was it the breath of God that gives life? And the answer is yes. That God not only formed man by the power of his spirit, but he gave life to man through his spirit. And here's what this means. That because we were created in the image of God, that's how we were created, we are essentially spiritual beings. C.S. Lewis said that we are not bodies that have a spirit, we are spirits that have a body. That, That what defines us is not our physicality, But it is what is inside of us. It's the Spirit of God that we were created in the image of God. And being created in the image of God, being spiritual, also means that we were not created for time, but for eternity. Now this is so important when we begin to think about our spiritual formation. That God is not in a hurry. He is not bound by time when it comes to his work inside of you forming the image of Christ. We live in a a day where everybody wants everything instantly. If you want to watch a particular movie, you don't even have to leave your couch anymore. You can on demand and boom, you have it. I mean, microwave ovens, the internet, everything is instant, instant, instant. And we transfer that even into our spiritual development. And we think, well, I lived like this yesterday. They told me if I prayed this prayer and accepted this this, uh, Jesus Christ as my Savior, then tomorrow I'd be different. Why am I not different? I want it now. And it doesn't work that way. Our spiritual formation doesn't happen in a microwave. God's got your entire life to work on you. And this is good news. Because if you find yourself at a stage of life where you think, I thought I'd be more like Christ right now and I'm not, the good news is God's still giving you breath and life and he's still at work in you. You were created for eternity, not for time. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Don't take your eyes off the prize. God is still at work. The Holy Spirit is still at work inside of you. Then you'll notice on the diagram, the next word is already printed for you, and it's the word fall. Now, this is not an activity of the Holy Spirit. This is the response of humanity. We saw it in the Garden of Eden in in Genesis chapter 3. As God, God formed man out of the dust of the earth, as he animated him through his spirit, and as he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam because of a sinful choice, chose his own way over God's way. And the relationship was severed. The image of God in man was marred, and the fall took place. But notice when you read the account in Genesis, it is not man who then begins to pursue God to restore the relationship. It is God who is in pursuit of mankind. And that has always been the case, even to today, that God the Holy Spirit is working to reveal God to us. The work of the Holy Spirit in revealing to us. And let me tell you how he does this because he reveals God to us in a number of ways. But the primary way that the Holy Spirit reveals God to us is through the word of God. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. In other words, nobody just sat down and thought the Bible up and, and copied it down. It didn't come out of anybody's imagination. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by who? The Holy Spirit. See, it's the Holy Spirit that's the author of the Bible that you hold in your hand. And he worked through ordinary people just like you and just like me who had distinct personalities, distinct writing techniques, distinct experiences in their lives, but he worked through them through the inspiration, uh, through the, as he inspired them, and they pinned these words, and God, and the Holy Spirit is revealing God to us through, through the scripture, but it's also through the teachings of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, think about this verse for just a minute. Have you ever wondered how the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how they remembered all those things that Jesus said and all those things that Jesus did? I mean, when Matthew sat down to write the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, what Jesus is saying is that it was the Holy Spirit helping Matthew remember everything that Jesus had ever said and everything that Jesus had ever done. That it's the Holy Spirit who brings those things to mind. Not just the gospel writers or the writers of the New Testament, but you and me. How many times if, if you, you are in God's word, you find yourself in a situation and God all of a sudden brings a verse of scripture to your mind because it's the job of the Holy Spirit to remind you of all things. But it goes beyond that. Look what Jesus said in John 16 verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. In other words, God is still speaking. God is still speaking today. The Holy Spirit is not mute. Now, he may not be inspiring us to write down Scripture, but the Holy Spirit is still at work speaking to people. That's the promise that Jesus 
gave us. Now, when we deal with sort of the spiritual world, there are three basic responses that people have. One is to just totally deny the spiritual world altogether. They just, people who focus primarily on what is seen and what is, what is heard, and anything that, that speaks of spirit or soul or emotions can be explained away by body chemistry. It can be explained away by bad pizza the night before, but that the, the spiritual is, is diminished or almost eliminated. Then you've got the other extreme. People who just see spiritual things in everything. I mean, just they, 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 they find everything about the world is spiritual, and they, they, they define everything spiritually, and they've got this broad understanding of spirituality. And the Bible and Christianity, Christian faith, are a part of that, but it's so much bigger than that. It's, it's other faith religions, and everything is just spiritual, this broad understanding. And then you have others who relate to the spiritual world through a relationship with the God of the Bible. You see, even though the Holy Spirit is still at work, the way that we test the Spirit to know if what we're hearing is truly the Spirit is that the Spirit will never say anything in contradiction to what he said in the Word of God. That the Spirit of, the Spirit of God is still at work, but he's also given us the Bible, but he's given us the church, the community of faith, that we're called to test the things of the Spirit as well. That the Spirit of God is still at work revealing God to us, but he doesn't just reveal who God is through the word and through his presence, but he also reveals to us who we are. He shows us our sin, our brokenness, our fallenness. John 16, verse 8, and when he comes, still talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That the Holy Spirit shows you who God is And then holds a mirror up to you and says, now look at yourself in comparison. And and it's not to belittle or it's not to tear you down. It's actually to make you aware of your condition, the fallen condition in which we find ourselves. And sometimes we don't even know how fallen we are until the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and reveal to us our sin. And he does this lovingly and he does this with kindness in hope that we'll be transformed. So the Holy Spirit's at work creating, the Holy Spirit's at work revealing God to us and revealing to us our own sin, and then the Holy Spirit is also at work redeeming. The Holy Spirit's at work redeeming us. Listen to what, it said, what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, For the law of the spirit of life, there it is. Remember that spirit of life that was in us, animating us, the way we were created to be. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, the Holy Spirit comes back and we have the opportunity to be reignited into the life that God intended us to have as we're being redeemed. Later on in the chapter, verse 10 and 11, Paul says, but if Christ is in you, now that's a big important if. He's talking specifically to people who have acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his resurrection. He's saying, if that's you, if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And guess what? It's not your righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Christ inside of you. If the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, just think about that for a second. If the spirit 
of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What he is saying is that the spirit of God raised Christ from the dead. That is the same Holy Spirit that God has given to you. And if the Holy Spirit has the power to raise Christ from the dead, don't you think that the Holy Spirit has power to change the way you live? To break patterns of sin in your life? To change relationships? Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't have the power to transform and change you, then I don't think the Holy Spirit had the power to raise Christ from the dead. But we know he did. And we know he does. So he's at work redeeming us. Which leads us to the next thing that the Holy Spirit does, which is perhaps the most miraculous thing ever. And that's this indwelling, that the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. And you see the diagram as creation and the fall. And as God, in our fallen state, the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us. He works to redeem us. And then as we burst out of of the grave, as if it were... That the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is where? In you. You don't have to go looking for God somewhere else because the promise is that God comes and takes up residence in you, who is in you, whom you have received from God. That the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. And then listen to what he does while he's inside of you because the next activity of the Spirit in you is he's transforming you. He's transforming you. This is why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is, she is a new creation. The Holy Spirit indwells us in order to transform us and change us. Just as the Holy Spirit was at work in creation, brooding over the surface of the deep, so the Holy Spirit inside of you is brooding over you, caring for you, nurturing you as something new is being birthed in you. Romans 8, verse 15 and 16 says, Through the Spirit we receive adoption as children of God. It's the Holy Spirit that reaches out and adopts you. And we go from being an enemy of God, from being separated from God, to a member of his household, having a seat at his table, that he's adopting us. So Holy Spirit redeems. The Holy Spirit indwells in us. The Holy Spirit transforms us. And then the Holy Spirit begins to fill us. The filling of the Holy Spirit. And I I looked at this verse. I almost didn't include this next verse because it it may be a distraction. But I think this verse captures um, some of our cooperation in the process of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In in other words, what I take from this verse is that you and I have a choice. That we have a choice to cooperate with God, with the Holy Spirit, in being filled by him. That there are other things that we can put in that may take up space and crowd out the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, Paul specifically here is talking about the power of alcohol. 
That, that, that if, you, if you drink to get drunk, it leads to debauchery, and you're filled with something else is controlling you. Some other spirit is controlling you. Don't do that. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not have a problem with, with alcohol. That may not be your issue, but let me ask you this. Are you filling your life with other things that are crowding out the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you? Are you filling yourself with a mindset of, of entertainment in our popular culture? Where you're watching the TV all the time when perhaps you could spend time in God's word, allowing yourself to be filled with his word. Are you filled with gossip? You talk to people about other people and and you're involved in conversations where people's character is being torn down. Are you you filled with with concern for for, for politics? Are you concerned with with issues of money and finances? Are Are you filling yourself with things that might distract you from feeling the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through you? This is a choice we make day by day, moment by moment. What are you filling yourself with? My grandmother used to say, garbage in, garbage out. And we have a choice. We choose what we, what we, what we bring into our, our, our spirit and our body through our eyes and through our ears. And, and listen, when we give space for the Holy Spirit to do his work, listen to what is produced. Galatians 5, and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what's born in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, here's a test for you, and this is a dangerous test. Ask yourself this question. Do I see evidence of that fruit being born in my life? Do I see love? And not for people that it's easy to love or who love you first, but for people it's hard to love. Do you see love? Do you see joy? I'm talking about happiness, but I mean talking true joy. I mean joy that comes when you get the bad news and the joy is still there anyway. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. Everything else is just an emotional state. Do you feel peace? Not when everything's calm and there's money in the bank, but do you feel peace when the storm is raging around you? Ah, what about patience? Now I've gone to meddling, didn't I? How patient are you? What about kindness, goodness? And if you really want to measure this test, if you, if you really want to measure this inside of you, don't just consider it yourself. Ask somebody else who knows you well. Ask them this question. I dare you to do it. Most of you won't do it because you're afraid of what the answer will be. But ask somebody close to you, do you see more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness? Do you see more self-control? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in me more today than you did six months ago, than you did a year ago, than you did ten years ago? And say, and promise them that you want the truth and mean it. Because this is what the work of the Holy Spirit does inside of our lives, which leads us to the next thing that the Holy Spirit does. The power to overcome. It's the Holy Spirit that is overcoming the old pattern of life and the sin that used to define us. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. In other words, your old way of living, you are dead. That old way, that old pattern, that's gone. 
This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see how when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit begins to bear his fruit in your life, that you will overcome old patterns of living? That you don't have to just conform to the thinking of the rest of the world. Because as the fruit's being born in your life, it gives you the power to overcome the way you used to respond when things didn't go your way. The way you used to respond to your spouse when when you discovered they betrayed you again. The way you used to respond to your boss. You're being transformed into something else. You're overcoming the old patterns. And I love the end of this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So often, we want to think about God's will as something off distance in the future, like, God, what is the purpose, the goal for my life? But what this verse tells me is that that's not what God is most interested in. What God is most interested in is moment by moment by moment, are you being obedient to the next thing the Holy Spirit leads you to do? Are you being obedient to the next thing the Holy Spirit's leading you to say? I I know, I don't know where I developed it or where it came up, somebody else said it, I'm sure, but I remember uh, over the course of the past five to ten years, it's just a little phrase that has come into my mind when, when circumstances come up and I'm not sure what to do and my six-month plan and my five-year plan have been destroyed and I don't know what to do. I've just come back to this reassuring statement over and over again, just do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. That's what the Holy Spirit's calling you to do. Do the next right thing. And as you walk step by step in the Spirit, He will lead you to the destination that He has for you. Your responsibility today is to be obedient to where God is calling you in this moment. So the Holy Spirit helps us as we overcome. And then the gifting of the Holy Spirit. The next activity of the Holy Spirit in your life is the gifting of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4-7, through 7, we read this. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now here it comes. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. In other words, the gift of the Spirit is not for the benefit of the one who receives it. It's for the benefit of the church. God doesn't gift you so that you can get the credit or that you can look smarter or that you can make more money. God has gifted you for the benefit of his church to empower and equip his church to accomplish the church's mission in the world and bring glory to him. That's why God's gifted you. So if God's given you the gift of administration, it's great that you may use that gift out in in the world. And I believe God wants you to use it for his glory in the marketplace. But the reason he gave you that gift isn't so that you can have a nice retirement account and climb the corporate ladder and be successful. He gave you that gift for the good of the church. If God's given you the gift of teaching, it's great that you employ that. I I want Christian teachers in every public classroom in our city. I think that's great. But the main reason he's given you that gift It's so that he can use you to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The gifts that God gives are not for the benefit of the one who receives it, but it's for the benefit of the church to accomplish the mission of the church. And after he gifts us, then the next activity of the Spirit is sending. That he 
See, he doesn't just suddenly send us unprepared. He's been at work revealing God to us, redeeming us, indwelling us, filling us, helping us overcome old patterns of life, gifting us, and then ultimately sending us. In a verse that is probably familiar to everyone, one of Jesus' final statements on earth, he said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we love the end of that verse. We we love the end of that verse. Because we love to talk about missions. And it's critically important. And I'm so glad that we care and give and pray for missions. But the first part of that verse is essential. The second part is impossible without the first part. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses. It's not that we can go out in our own power, in our own knowledge, in our own gifting. We don't have enough. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he sends us out. This is why at Southside, we have our three G's gather. We gather to worship God. We grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit going before us, we have no power to accomplish what God's calling us to accomplish. The sending of the Holy Spirit, which leads us to, I believe, the ultimate goal of the Holy Spirit, the ultimate work of the Holy Spirit in our world, in our church, and in your life, is glorifying God. The Holy Spirit brings glory to God through all of his activity, and he's at work in you so that you might also bring glory to God. Listen to what Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. I love this verse. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Now what he's talking about here is Moses, when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he, he basically came closer to God than anybody ever had, the presence of God anybody. When he came down off the mountain, his face was glowing with the presence of God, so much so that the people were scared of him and he had to put a veil on because of the sin of humanity and what what what. Paul is saying here is we don't have to worry about that anymore. With unveiled faces, we, we can behold the glory of God. And it's not just that we see it, but look what he says next. And are being transformed into the same image. Now, how were we created? We were created in the image of God in the beginning. That image was marred through the power of sin. The work of the Holy Spirit in us is to restore the image of God's glory back inside of us. That we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I love from one degree of glory to another. In other words, it may not be a, a huge leap or a huge step that you make, but just a degree. Are you are you revealing the glory of God by one degree more today than you were yesterday? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. From one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is at work. He's been at work all along. In the creation, you were created to be a reflection of the glory of God. The chief end of man is to glorify God forever and enjoy him forever. That's what we were designed for, but sin has, sin has destroyed that in us. It has scarred that. But the work of the Holy Spirit in you, through the power of Christ's uh, crucifixion and resurrection, the Holy Spirit begins to work to redeem us, revealing God to us, indwelling us, 
filling us, transforming us, helping us overcome old patterns, gifting us, sending us, until we become the image of God in this world. And it's a work that God is doing by degrees in your life. So I would ask, are you seeing the glory of God more inside of you through your life than you were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? Are you being transformed? Because if it's not happening, it's not the fault of the Holy Spirit. Because this is the same Holy Spirit that had the power to raise Christ from the dead, so he certainly has the power to transform you. Are you allowing other things to crowd out the work of the Holy Spirit in you? And are you willing to recognize that God is willing to take as long as possible, as much time as it will take, because he is not bound by time. You were created for eternity, and he is going to work inside of you through the circumstances of your life. And they're often going to be the hard circumstances, the difficult circumstances, the painful things. But by the work of his Holy Spirit, he's transforming you into something. His fruit's being born out in you. As I looked at the videos, I um, came across a video, uh, of course, as the children, all the milestones, you try to capture those moments, you know, first steps. And as I was uh, watching the video of uh, Caleb learning how to walk, I I was reminded of something um, that as a parent, as any good parent does, you want your baby to learn how to walk. Until they start getting into trouble and then you wish you could keep them in the playpen. But you ultimately, you want them to walk. And you know when they're learning to walk, they're going to what? They're going to fall. And what does a good parent do? A good parent picks them up. A good parent brushes off their knee. And a good parent doesn't give up. How long does a parent work with the child for the child to learn how to walk? A good parent works with that child for as long as it takes. Step by step, day by day, moment by moment. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. It's helping you to learn. And God is patient with you. I mean, that's what's remarkable. Some of you say, well, you know, there was a time in my life where I felt the gifting of the Holy Spirit. When I I heard his call as he was sending me out, there were times where where it was so real to me, it was almost like I could hear it. And verses were coming to mind, but that was a long, long time ago. I have fallen. Because just as that spiral goes up, guess what? It also goes down, doesn't it? But God hasn't given up. Because as long as you have life and breath, God is continuing to invite you to allow his Holy Spirit to do his work inside of you. He's not done. He'll pick you up and brush you off and send you on your way. This is why we should have patience with one another. Because the person sitting next to you, they're just trying to learn how to walk in the Spirit as well. And they're going to fall. And they're going to run into you and bump into you. And it's okay. Because God's just as much at work in them as he is in you. So my question for you today is, are you giving the Holy Spirit room in your life to do the work that only the Holy Spirit can do? To transform you from one degree of glory to another. That the Holy Spirit would restore in you the image of God. 
that every member of this church would leave out of here and walk through our community glorifying God because the power of the Spirit is so alive and so real and so in work at, at work in each one of us that not only will our life be changed, but the life of everybody we come into contact will be impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. If you would bow your heads. And as we have this time of invitation, maybe today you're here and uh, you understand the truth of the salvation story. And you would say, I've even prayed that prayer. But nothing about my life has changed. Nothing is being transformed. And I would just, I would just ask you, are you allowing the power of God in you, the Holy Spirit, to do his work? And maybe today, you would just say, I want to surrender myself. I want to submit myself to the power of the Holy Spirit to change me. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I've been saved. I know that. But I, I'm not walking in the power of the Spirit today. I fell 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and I've never gotten back up. Maybe today you would just come and pray at these steps and invite the Holy Spirit to lift you up and continue to transform you. Father, we pray this morning, giving you thanks for the patient persistence of the Holy Spirit at work in us, even before we were aware of our problem, revealing to us who you are, revealing our own condition, redeeming us, indwelling us, filling us, transforming us, helping us to overcome old patterns. Father, gifting us and sending us ultimately, God, that we want to reflect your glory. We want to be, we want to be people who, who are lost in the image of Christ. Lord, I pray that for our church. I pray that for each individual. Lord, we submit ourselves to you into the work of your Holy Spirit in our life. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.